Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Work Stoppage. This is the 40th episode in total. Wow, we've come such a long way. I'm really proud of all of us here at the show and you for listening. Yeah, uh, this we're is, proud of you. <laughs> this, is a, this is a public episode, so if you want to get twice as many episodes per month, uh, we usually release uh, a, a bonus and then a regular every other week, but occasionally we throw an extra one in the mix. Just sign up at the Patreon. That's patreon.com slash workstoppage. Uh, we also have a Discord. You can hop in there. And if you want to help out the show a little bit more, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the worst website in the world. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, we want to start today with a follow-up that seems to be, at least in some aspects, encouraging. After a UK court victory, Uber drivers are finally receiving worker benefits. So, W. This is Yeah, this is wild because, uh, I mean, we reported the other day about how they the Supreme Court had basically struck down the prop 22 uh, provision that would have ha- that would have gone over the UK saying that the drivers were in fact actual workers for um, for Uber and the work conditions that they're setting up look a lot like if you were to work literally any job at all I mean they're the the wage that they're gonna be giving people is about twelve dollars an hour or eight. Uh, 72 in pounds um there are a couple benefits but uh it's it's wild to think that they were fighting against this because uh this still feels like not enough yeah that's that's also me well they're they're just upgrading these workers who have been especially like disadvantaged in their work situation to the level of a regular disadvantaged worker and that's like enough the the climate is bad enough that that's something that we feel like oh yeah that's worth celebrating and it's (laughs) funny to see how quickly their spin operation changes Mm -hmm. gears because like we're reading that that article before when the supreme court ruling came down it was all oh this is you know the this is terrible and it's like they're not properly classifying workers as contractors so they can have all their choices but now suddenly they're like oh well we voluntarily out of the goodness (laughs) of our hearts have chosen to give all shower all of these benefits upon our drivers and like not just obviously for their public image, which is is of course part of their damage control here, but so they can then get out ahead of any attempts of the workers to actually, you know, enforce this ruling to its letter. Because one of the things that the folks that were involved in the original suit have brought up uh, was that in that ruling, it specifically said, and we talked about this in the episode, that uh, one of the changes that had to be made was that they could no longer like do this as piecework where they would say instead like what they currently do where when you get a ride that's when you start getting paid it had to be when you log into the app because that's when you're working like sitting there waiting to get rides is still working because you are not in control of your time and so uber is trying to get out ahead of this by being like look at all these great things we're giving you and we're doing this because we want to not because we have to and this is all we should have to give you please don't look at the actual detailed part of the ruling that says we have to do more right they're mm-hmm. trying to capture it because, I mean, that's like their whole spin operation anyway is they – no matter what happens, they just say like, oh, this is always what we intended to do right. because it puts them back in the position of being like the authority who can say like what is and isn't going to happen from this point going forward. All they're trying to do is get the ball back in their court. Well, and they especially don't want to see an actual union show up. Absolutely. They want to they be like, hey, we're doing the good thing. You know, this is the law and you know we're going to go above the law and we're going to – 
uh, earn like what? Is, is it the actual minimum wage or is it slightly above? I'm guessing it's slightly above. Uh, yeah, in some other stuff I've I've read about the UK, like their minimum wage is about twelve dollars an hour. Okay, okay. well then, so this is yeah, pretty close they're, they're still wage, are yeah. still paying the minimum wage, yeah. and they're like, oh, look how great we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I guess we can look at we can we can show some of the other benefits. I guess there um, are um, seventy thousand drivers in the UK that are going to be receiving that minimum wage, as well as I'm waiting. It says after accepting tip requests and expenses. I'm not sure what that means. Well, that's um, like the whole that's the whole math that like uh, restaurant owners can use to fuck their tipped employees out of wages as well. Like you know, Uber and Lyft now that their feet are being like held in the same football stadium as a fire, uh, they have to like turn around and be like, oh yeah, okay, so now how are we going to deduct all of the tips and all of everything from the base wages that we pay them so that we are never paying our drivers more than the legal minimum that we're required to? Right. And then uh, drivers will also get holiday pay equal to about 12% of their earnings. The about is doing a lot of work there. Damn, holiday pay. <laughs> I mean, that's this, this is just my, like, proletarianized ass in the United States. Like, holiday pay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys are getting holiday pay? <laughs> yeah. And then um, they are going to be paid every two weeks. And nice. they are going to be in, uh, enrolled in a pension plan, which is... Actually, that I think that was the most surprising thing to me because very often uh, a lot of retirement plans exist as like four hundred one ks, which are basically just like stock options for for people to like hope that the market doesn't tank right before <laughs> they are about to retire. Which, if anybody remembers uh, two thousand nine, uh, knows that that is a very real possibility. I yeah. mean, we've heard stories about. Older people who were a year away from retiring and basically ended up in a trailer. Absolutely uh, love hitching my wagon to the American economy. Doesn't feel like playing blackjack at all. Yeah. And no, well, no, like no, nothing bad to people who live in trailers, but it's definitely not what those workers expected after years right, of work. Right, definitely. Well, you were talking about like the the proletarianization of everything, and like the pension plan thing was the thing that stuck out to me. I was like, oh yeah, other countries still have. Actual retirement plans, not right. fake bullshit ones. Like a fucking US. amount of money set aside for your retirement <laughs> instead of being like, here's some fun gambling chips for the national economy. <laughs> Try not yeah. to lose it all in one place. <laughs> so, I mean, hopefully, like, obviously, this, it's great to see this win for for the workers uh, getting getting their benefits, mm -hmm. and I'm just hoping that uh, through this process the this app drivers and couriers union is able to get its message out to these drivers that it's like hey they actually owe you a hell of a lot more than just yeah. this and the only way that they're actually going to be able to get it is through that collective action like and actually to take that next step beyond like a enforcing the court ruling and then b you know taking the next steps beyond that so right. hopefully this drives their membership yeah yeah, I mean, and and I mean, whether or not they'll get any sort of publicity after this, in fact, I think what we're going to see is almost no news at this point, because this is the news, workers. You get minimum wage. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah there's so. no nationalization. There's no uh, worker ownership programs, and the ones that do exist have been infiltrated by weird Republicans who want to turn you all into small business owners. Like, this is, <laughs> these are the wins we get to celebrate right here, folks. Yeah, or just like, 
ESOPs, which are like surface level, like like they're they're just another version of a retirement plan yeah. and not actual control over the the work conditions that you're living in. Well, it's it's like that thing where people will point out that like the Simpsons, like which was supposed to be like you know a lower middle class family when it like started airing, is now like an unattainable dream. For most people, whereas this is like the win, the labor win we're celebrating is that workers are getting minimum wage. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, that's it is legitimately a win. I'm not trying to like shit (laughs) on the story that I picked, but but it just it sucks. (laughs) No, no, I mean you're totally right about that. And I I think that if our listeners have been sticking around long enough, they probably agree with with all of that as well. But um, I mean, thank. Uh, another uh like kind of fake win and we can move on to our second story <laughs> this is a much it, faker win yeah, <laughs> yeah. there are yeah, at least which, some material benefits in the other one yeah i guess yeah you're right about that but um we it, the house passed the pro act everybody we did it hey, it's ooh, over i love it Wait. when the house passes things because then they become law Wait. <laughs> <laughs> actually no oh, no actually that's not what's gonna happen oh yeah this this podcast has been flagged for misinformation by the twitter <laughs> moderators uh, <laughs> yeah so the pro act did pass the uh house of representatives on a federal level in the united states uh, again, if you are interested in what the Pro Act is, we did a Patreon episode, so go back and check that out. Um, but really, we're looking at what's the chance of this actually passing the Senate and becoming law? Oh, yeah, that's a that's a big old zero. Um, zero. And, and I personally would wager that the only reason that this that as many Democrats even voted for this as they did it. is because they know it has no chance of passing and that uh-huh. if, yeah. if there was any like real chance that it would pass in the Senate, I think you would have a it much have different gone, tally. Well, it would have gone through the House, I'll tell yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a, it's a really easy situation for your progressive Congress people in the House to be like, oh, yeah, we're going to push this through and we're going to rally Democrat support behind it. And, you know, in the House, like, you have a lot more representatives who represent a lot smaller districts. There's a lot more push to be like a, a progressive Congress person there. But, like, when it hits the stuffy-ass Senate that's basically just like a, a living mausoleum of <laughs> Republicans and blue Republicans, like they, there is not a single fucking chance and you're exactly right they know that they're just punting it down the field because they know that it's going to get fucked up down there and like they can just wash their hands of it and look really progressive in the meantime they can say we look at all this incredibly progressive stuff we tried to do and biden said he was in favor of right it's just those mean republican obstructionists it's the same line they trotted out through the entirety of the obama administration Mm -hmm. and so now you're going to see discourse shift to like the progressive wonk uh like terrain where you're going to get in all these debates about abolishing the filibuster and all this shit it's like hey that's, oh, that's not going to happen. happen. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> wow. And B, like, this is the arcane shit we have to argue about. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like when the fucking Republicans are in power, the Democrats are like, we need to hold the Republicans accountable. And then when the Democrats are in power, the Democrats are like, okay. Now we need to hold the Republicans accountable. And I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Just do anything. <laughs> like, literally do a job. It doesn't even have to be the thing we elected you for. Like, just show some indication that you're working. <laughs> right. So on a technical level, basically the filibuster makes it so it requires 60 votes. As a lot of people know, 
there are 50 Democrats plus the vice president in the Senate, um, meaning that technically they could pass it if the filibuster didn't exist. The filibuster will continue to exist until the United States falls. I mean, shit, if every Republican abstained from this and the Democrats were all just in a room together, they would immediately start figuring out how many of them and who should vote against it to make sure it doesn't pass. Like, that's the thing. Like, mm-hmm. Republican obstructionism is a fucking myth. It's like it's a front perpetuated by the Republicans and Democrats because it makes them money. Yeah, because, I mean, you can see that with the the stimulus bill where uh-huh. the Democrats negotiated themselves down <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> out of better un- unemployment benefits, out of any sort of increase to the minimum wage, like much less one that would actually matter. Like the 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 idea that there's there's so many levels of delusion on this. It's like a the idea that the Democrats would ever get rid of the filibuster when it is in fact like Republican intransigence and their use of the filibuster, which is what the Democrats campaign on. Why would they get rid of the thing that allows them to just do nothing and break in money? Exactly. Um, oh, and but then it's even so if they cool did, when you see articles about people standing up for 10, 30 hours or whatever the fuck they want to do. <laughs> well, so that's going to probably be the one thing they, they might change is that they there's a bit that there's you don't like a, have to stand for 10 yeah, hours. <laughs> they don't actually have to stand up and physically filibuster. So I've been reading this stuff about like, oh, the big structural change the Democrats are going to push through is to just go back to the thing where everything is still the same, but there's somebody has to actually stand up and read the phone book. <laughs> yeah, so so it will always be uh, sixty votes for things that yes. Rick, that that like no like no, no nobody really wants, and by nobody I mean just the Democrats and Republicans. I mean, and, I've long said that proceduralism and bureaucracy are a blight on society, but like when they're operated by like the most hyper capitalist imperialist like Senate and like you know legislative body in the world, it's just really turned up to eleven, isn't it? Like reading the fucking phone book, like even when Bernie Sanders did it for like legitimate legitimately good reasons sometimes i still sat around thinking like this is really part of our like national political infrastructure this like (laughs) groundhog day kind of display of politico like that's what we have yes (laughs) and yeah yeah, and then aaron sorkin makes like these ridiculous melodramatic movies about it and everybody talks (laughs) about the 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 strength and courage of American democracy. <laughs> yeah, the strength and courage no. of American democracy is based no. entirely on walking and talking and staying in frame at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I I don't know. I I might. I'm sure I've said it on the podcast before, but we don't actually have a democracy here. There's that's so, not a real thing. So that's I true. think like the one thing that I would want to like really take away from this to try and not just like be really cynical about everything yeah, which everyone should be really for 10 cynical. minutes about this <laughs> is that like look like american democracy is fake but the, the pro act does contain as we talk about in that in or in that episode like it does contain a lot of really good stuff and it would be yeah. a genu- genuinely like big improvement to a lot of people's lives were it to pass. And so it, 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 I don't want to make fun of anybody who's wanted it to pass because it's a perfectly good reform. No, we want but, it to pass. But the yeah. reason that like we want to come at all of this fucking wonk shit and all this stuff about what will the Senate do? Fuck the Senate. None of those people have anyone's best interest in heart except for their own donors. If this is going to get passed, it's going to get passed because of radical labor action. And yeah. so like... 
if if the unions like the AFL-CIO actually ever want to do anything for their membership again instead of just like working with the CIA, like that's where like union power really needs to get focused is is like hey do you want you know trucks to continue to go around the country do you want grocery stores to continue to stay open do you want like teachers to keep showing up to teach your kids then pass a fucking pro act otherwise all those groups are going to strike like that's the only way this is ever going to go through well and that's the way like all of the fucking pro labor legislation in this country has ever come around like people like to be like oh remember fdr and how much he did for labor it's like labor had to twist his arm very hard for a very long time to get him to do any of that shit. and i just want to point out that like we've been reporting on some of the most like radical labor actions in some in like a really long time and that is the only reason that this even came into the house of representatives that's true uh because they felt the pressure from labor and they know that they need to at least make some sort of gesture towards it because that's exactly what this is is just a gesture towards it in order to make labor more complacent and we have to say that we see what the fuck you're doing and it's not gonna fly like it needs to actually pass you can't just put put up these platitudes like that it's not enough yeah we're asking the democrats to clean their room a little bit and they're just jamming things into the closet (laughs) being like okay take a look and then never come back in uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's like that's their plan. They think that's sustainable. Yeah. So if we want things to change, we got to shut shit down. That's I think really the the takeaway yeah. from that. Well, um, speaking about uh, being unsustainable, uh, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about Tesla. Let's talk a little bit about Elon Musk and what he's done to his workers recently. So there was a Tesla plant in Fremont, California. Uh, that Musk refused to shut down during the pandemic. I think he actually went to, if I remember right, he went to great lengths to get them labeled essential workers, yeah, making a speculative like future car. Uh- <laughs> yeah, and then also like just straight up moved a plant as well in order to like to Texas in order to kind of subvert those laws, basically uprooting workers just so that he can keep them in precarious positions. Yeah, this guy is literally mom from Futurama. Like, he's literally just like, what's the most evil thing I can do? (laughs) I I know, we'll do that. Heat up pennies and throw them at the workers. Um, (laughs) I mean, it's only a couple years till that's the disciplinary measures he's using on the Mars colony, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, like, what? He did do the indentured servitude thing, right? Well, he, and then he has the gall to call these virus restrictions fascist. Like oh he's, my god! Like he's not an apartheid emerald, <laughs> like well, like you know trust literal, fund kid, like <laughs> literal private person who owns the state, like yeah. literal fascist. Yeah, because like I mean, part of the reason because this is all coming out of a New York Times story where like f- over four hundred and forty workers at his plant in Fremont have tested positive for COVID since they they reopened after barely closing down at the start of the pandemic. And I think that just like shows you the, it really puts the lie to the entire concept of a, you know, American lockdown. Right. Cause which like, didn't happen. Yeah. Because like there were still quote unquote guidelines in place in <laughs> California at the time that said you couldn't reopen. And he's just like, I don't care. And then nothing happened because they the fucking companies are what actually run the state. And he's the richest man in the world. What are they going to yeah. do to him? They yeah. can there arrest is, him. There has never been a lockdown here, and there yeah. was right. never going to be one because right. 
the state cannot say no to the people that run it, which is people like Musk. Yeah, and this isn't because of some peculiar character of the American public. We're not all like sovereign citizens who are like, you got to let me out of my house or I'll shoot up a post office. Like there are people like that in the country, but like yeah. the most of those people are senators <laughs> and run companies. Like they they're not just your average Joe. Like they are the ruling class. Right. right? I mean, if and. Again, I'll point to the death panel. They do a great bit on this. But but really, if we really wanted to do an effective lockdown, we would pay people to stay home, which we've been advocating right. for the whole time. I mean, like we can actually materially incentivize people to do to be safer, to do things like wear masks and avoid uh, public interactions. And then also like prioritize the people who like we, we do need people in grocery stores uh who are getting people food but then those people also need extreme protections like those people should be paid a hundred dollars an hour right i don't i don't give a fuck how much it is it should be a lot well and we're practicing modern monetary theory anyway like the government regardless of what they tell you about the fucking deficit which is sure to become a hot button issue during a democrat presidency but like that aside like it's all fucking made up they've printed how much money in terms of like bailouts for financial institutions and like, like major retailers and all of that shit over the like enough that if they had just taken that amount of money, printed it and given the same amount to each of the 355 million Americans, we would all be fine. Everyone would be fine. It could have been avoided with that money. Like that's yeah. It. Like I don't think that we would have like a Vietnam style like response where we have like almost no one die. But but like we would do way 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 better. Like we would have actually had enough people stay home that we would not have seen the giant spikes that we saw, and we will not see. I mean, like maybe we will. Maybe we'll see another giant spike even just because we're gonna be sh we're gonna be like straight up opening up. I mean, so many states have literally no restrictions now. Yeah. Yeah, well, and the other reason, the other thing, like, about this story that I wanted to bring up is because, like, I've seen people dunking on Musk after this came out because, like, he was tweeting around, like, April-ish, like, oh, the, the virus is on the downturn, it's 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 going to be at zero soon. And, and, <laughs> the yeah, virus and it's is like, on the downturn, that's such yeah. a weird way to phrase that. Yeah, and, the, and, the virus like, is experiencing a real uh, bull market, or is it? Bear and market? so he's like <laughs> predicting the virus would be gone, you know, like a year ago. So and, the and virus so like, has been experiencing seasonal depression, and <laughs> so that's the thing. It is fun to dunk on him, and he is genuinely stupid. But the reason that I bring it up is that like you see a lot of these business owners and ruling class people talking about you know playing down the virus, and yeah, some of them are genuinely very stupid and or denialists for political reasons. But the reason that I bring it up here is that, like, it's all in service of of furthering their business interests, regardless of whether they like believe in COVID or believe anything that they're saying. It's just to throw at least to sow doubt, so that any government official who might be like, uh, "Hey, you can't." do this is now going to get bombarded with all this stuff about oh well there's you know these people say it's not that bad and so we should open up so like it's musk it's easy to because he is really fucking stupid so like, <laughs> yeah he true. says a lot of very genuinely stupid things it's not but, ad hominem like, if it's true well that's, that's <laughs> right isn't, isn't that the magic about elon musk though is that he's like dumb in the exact right way that right. even when he's saying the stupidest shit that could possibly pour out of his mouth it's still perfectly in line with 
with the way that capital is progressing yeah. right it now. Reminds me of the mayor of Miami thinking that they he could fix everything with crypto or whatever the fuck <laughs> he's gonna do. Yeah, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying is is like is just that like in his case, yes, he is that stupid. But like when we see you see all the other COVID denialism yeah, in yeah. all of its various forms from other members of the ruling class, you like you got to remember like some of them are that stupid, but a lot of times they're just saying whatever is the best thing for them to say to encourage the the regulatory market to allow them to continue reaping profits. Yeah, and that's that's the whole thing. They're, all the Democrats and Republicans are really doing, even with the factions within their own parties, is fighting over degrees of open and closedness based on whose like, donors are going to benefit right. the most financially from yep. that particular shade of gray. And it's like, no, just pay everyone to stay home until the virus is gone yeah. or we have a vaccine or whatever. Like it is, It really is that simple. Like that's, that's, that's my big thing. Like people are like, oh, you're anti-capitalist. Oh, you're a socialist. Oh, you believe in all these like pie in the sky ideas. And I'm like, no, I believe in doing the most obvious thing. Like that's literally all I'm advocating for. And (laughs) And it's not a dichotomy between the Democrats believe in science and lockdowns and the Republicans don't. It's like you said, it's, they each believe in whatever measures well, allow their donors and, to profit the most. Exactly. And none of them believe in, in science. Otherwise, right. they would be Marxists. Right. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> or at least something better than yeah, what they are. Yeah, like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but speaking of incredibly bleak shit. Hey. So, oh, yeah. There's a story about modern slavery late coming up later. I promise not to drag it on super long like the other ones. But this one, honestly... It, it's not as materially bleak, but it's some fucking like it's impossible not to make a black mirror comparison, yeah. even as, <laughs> as facile and obvious as that is. Um, yeah, because we're doing this Amazon is a story, watch, right? Yeah, this is a new Amazon watch uh, where Amazon has been expanding an effort to gamify warehouse work. Oh, that's what you need is you need to incentivize people with games instead of actually owning the means of production or or having control over their labor conditions. They just want to game. Well, here's here's my here's the the thing that's the most horrifying about this to me is that this is one the gamification of labor or education or whatever, just to make things that are typically considered rote and boring and un, you know not fun to do, something that can be more you know easily integrated into a person's life. That is a that's a valuable technology that should exist, but it's one of those things where it's like we we should have handled the capitalism problem before we got here. You know what yes. I mean? Like, like this is, this is a functionally useful technology. It, it like the comparison for me is like, um, nuclear energy, right? Like we, we probably should have figured out how to stop bombing each other before we figured out how to make nuclear bombs. And now we're, it's like, we probably should have figured out how to stop exploiting each other before we turned social interaction into a flash game. Like that's my, <laughs> that's my thing. Cause like there have been year after year, Amazon has stepped up the process of gamifying warehouse work. They started with their training uh, program and then they actually had, I think a program that allowed you to do some of your work via like a graphic user interface that was set up as more of a game. And now they're like trying to expand this and, and standardize it across the country. And of course, if Amazon standardizes something within their company, it's only a short matter of time before it becomes the industry standard. Yeah. So this is coming from a, a site called The Information, um, where it's talking about how... Like the Beck album? I don't know. Beck, so no. sure. <laughs> <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's, it's good. It's good music. Anyway, go ahead. Um, uh, 
So around the country, uh, they are now offering this program for warehouse workers to be able to spend their shifts earning digital rewards that allow them to buy virtual electronic pets by competing in games that they control by quickly completing repetitive tasks at work. Amazon uh, joining the non-fungible tokens game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, they started this program called FC Games uh, at a single facility in 2017. Uh, now it's during it's experienced a major expansion and is uh, being offered in at least 20 states. And uh, so the way that this works is basically by working faster, uh, employees who p- choose to play one of six games can earn digital currency, which they can no. use to buy yeah. and care for an assortment of virtual penguins and other pets. Right. So, so like a Tamagotchi, right? You know, you, you you keep it alive for a couple days, but then you forget about it for like one hour too long and it dies. And that's because you didn't work hard enough. Right? Yeah. Is that really what it is? They're going <laughs> to like make yeah. people feel bad because they didn't work hard enough? Well, and now they want you to like, they want you to chase after tokens. They want you to chase after like mm-hmm. a fucking uh, uh, a point score that doesn't fucking mean anything. It can be redeemable for what? For digital penguins? Like literally, that's that's what you came. You ripped off Club Penguin. You were like, "This is the new Amazon program." Yeah, well, you saw that like Gucci was selling twelve dollar digital virtual sneakers, and they were like, "This is how we get our employees to work harder." Yeah, and I will say like. I, this does feel a little inevitable when you see like a lot of the trends in how even just like mobile games have been going over the last few years where everything is getting into trends of like keeping you engaged day to day and like routinifying your your engagement with the app. And the step from that, like your, I don't know, Farmville or whatever the fucking uh, as a techno boomer, I am not in touch with foam games and have no idea what the big thing is right now. But like the step from that to this Amazon program is is tiny. Yeah. Well, I mean, we we provide this gamification in our own ranks. I mean, we have a wholesome channel right in the Discord, and if you join the Discord, you get access to all of those cute <laughs> penguins and and stuff. I literally posted penguins yesterday. True. <laughs> no, I don't think it's the same thing. I'm just kidding. I don't really think we're asking the folks in the Discord to provide us their labor <laughs> in order yeah. to do it. Yeah, um, you're right. <laughs> and the thing that is the because like people have quickly compared this to stuff like Black Mirror. Like there's a there is a, an episode in the third season, which is like a million merits or something, which is very very similar to like an extremer version of this. Um, the aspect, though, that I think is the most insidious about it is the co- the competitive nature of it. So they can put, like, fucking leaderboards on this and have, like, rewards for the most efficient worker, which, again, I'm like, that concept in and of itself is not inherently necessarily bad. But when it's being used within an exploitative environment, like any job in the capitalist system, like it is yet another instance of like the ruling class getting us to do their work for them by like you wanting to compete against the other workers to see who can, you know, get this e Amazon e script. Like it's yeah, that's what doing it is. In, like intensification of labor without them having to provide any sort of real benefit. Right. And yeah. I would love to like actually play Pokemon as part of my job. Like sure. that would, that would be cool. Yes. But I would really like to also be like be in control of my work conditions while I do it. I would like to be the one who actually, you know, 
picks the you know the charmander or whatever yeah. well the, the game gamification <laughs> is in a lot of ways it, it it's exactly what dan said it's an intensification and it's a it's like a sublation of the drudgery of work right so it's it's a it's a productive and educational intensifier and just like anything else like if if we solved the problem of power relations at work then an intensification of that workplace would be a positive intensification. But we are so far in the opposite direction of that that the last thing we need is an intensification. Like, it really does make me feel like a Luddite smashing the looms, right? Like, don't bring these in here because, like, society is not fucking ready for this shit yet. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's it's just so bleak to see that because they're basically just being like, oh, are you feeling alienated from your labor by being forced to do these mindless, repetitive tasks? We could do something about that. Or you could have this little electronic penguin. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. It, well, and it's also like this mentality of like executives and like corporate people being like, hmm, when you force someone to do monotonous repetitive tasks, they hate it. But when they elect to do monotonous repetitive tasks, <laughs> yeah. they love it, hmm, like Animal Crossing and such. And they're like, hmm, how can we make them think they chose to do this, you know? Oh yeah, and it is the it's convince them it's their idea almost. Yeah, it is a little well, on that. Yeah, and like imagine level. like uh, if you didn't have a political education and you were working for Amazon and they were like, "Do you want to do the rote work or do you want to do the rote work video game?" You'd be like, "Yeah, give me the video right. game." You know, sure. and that's no fault of your own. You know, you've been con- you know conditioned to think that this workplace is just normal and fine. But then, like all of the details about this just made me bristle every time because the internal currency that you can earn through these things is called e-swag e-swag oh no which is just e-swag is for boys (laughs) e-class is for men (laughs) (laughs) and managers can reward workers with swag bucks for delivering fast packing rates at the warehouse oh god and at one Amazon warehouse, workers can spend 15 swag bucks on an Amazon-branded bandana. Uh, I have to or, pay my company script to put a logo on my body of the people who are exploiting me? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> or you could spend 45 swag bucks on an Amazon-branded New Era snapback. Oh, my God. Wow. I, so in one of my jobs, <laughs> I, wor- I worked at a movie theater, and I think I might have talked about that job before, and that was like a minimum wage job. And we were supposed to sell these like loyalty cards and they actually did provide us company script for that, which we were able to refund for like concessions and and like little bits of food, which I basically used to supplement like eating. Um, right, sure. But but I remember that I did really well at selling these these like uh, membership cards or whatever. And they gave me this little trophy. They're like they're like. <laughs> You you did so great, and I actually tried to give it back to my boss and say, "Can I have Hell money, yeah. please? I would rather five dollars than have this stupid fucking trophy." <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. no shit. Well, and like concessions, shit, they should just feed you for free. Like if if a workplace produces food, just feed your employees. Oh no, you my go, God. no, you get fired for that. That's fucking outrageous. Yeah. I mean, I know that was a big thing at uh, Whole Foods, especially once Amazon or like Jeff Bezos. I don't know exactly how that works, but like some Amazon psycho took that over. Uh, and like people were getting fired for forgetting to check out their fries before the end of their shift, like one time. <laughs> wow. Of course. Yeah, yeah but, absolutely. That's so, yeah, folks, happens. we've got 
we've got digital script, we've got, you know, piecework, we've got indentured servitude. Right. 21st century's fucking great so far. Yeah. And we've even got everyone's favorite classic, workers attempting to unionize and being threatened with deportation. Ah, uh, wow. fantastic. Oh yeah, we're moving directly to that. Jeez. This is um, I mean, like, and then we're. I think that there is a little bit of repeat reprieve at the end of this episode. <laughs> we, we're, it's gonna get darker. Hey, folks. no, nobody promised a labor podcast was gonna be all unicorns and rainbows. You know <laughs> yeah. what I'm talking about? Especially <laughs> in the United States. Yeah, yeah. my God. Uh, but yeah, this is Tate's Bake Shop in Long Island, in Southampton, in uh, Long Island, who say, uh, the workers at the bake shop, rather, say that in response to their efforts to unionize, management have threatened to have the many undocumented members of the workforce deported if the union vote passes, which is just like, that's that's one of those things where Very I'm just like, that's illegal, actually. right? Well, that's illegal? <laughs> I mean, technically, but also they're going to get away with it. Right. And, um... Well, because the government loves it when you report people to get deported, right? Yeah. Because then they get to rack those numbers up and be like, look at these lives we ruined. And Republicans get to like clap their hands and right. be like, Fox News. And, eh. and for people who actually care about like the law, we just want I just want to point out that it's not illegal to be hired. It is actually illegal to hire people. Right. And so, like, if anything, that boss is the one who would go to jail. Yeah, go ahead and call the cops on yourself. I dare you, except this is the United States. So, yeah, like, no, they, they would call the cops with, on yeah. themselves well, and well, you would go to jail. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I was going to. The law doesn't matter in this case. Yeah, no. Yeah, because I this this just reminded me there was a case, uh, I believe it was at a meatpacking plant uh, a couple of years ago in, I want to say Texas, but it was, it was somewhere mm-hmm. in the South where the, there had been a pretty sustained organizing effort and the owner of the plant just once it got to a certain point was like, fine, fuck it. And he reported his workforce to ICE who then came up and arrested like a quarter of the workforce. And then mm. I think like the, the, he saw some like token fines or something for employing undocumented workers uh, and OSHA they got, style, o- OSHA level yeah. fines. Yeah, and then you get had like a hundred people get deported because yeah, as, as you said, it's like yeah, technically that's illegal, but you you can see through the consequences like what's actually illegal. Well, and he'd rather mm-hmm. pay those fines than pay the workers, right? Right. Because like you oh, have to yeah. pay those workers going forward. You just pay the fines once. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and and they so the the folks here in this case at this uh, bake shop do have uh, like representation from well assistance from a, a an outside union um the eastern states joint board of the international union of allied novelty and production workers who mm-hmm. have assured them and have explained to them that like while that technically um that's not the, legally true it's it's not legally true but again like as we know like eh, you, you always got to worry about that. And they, well, this they, is like this is the horror story that we tell American workers about working in other countries, right? Is that you'll go over right. there and the conditions will be different, or the law will technically be on your side, but it won't be honored. And we're supposed to be like, oh, scary China, scary Russia, and it's like we do the exact same thing to millions of immigrant workers Honestly, in this country. Generally worse, yeah, in a lot of cases, definitely. Yeah. Um, they have an interview here with one of the workers at Tate's, uh, a sanitation worker, who said, people are scared to talk. They're scared to express themselves. Uh, I believe we need to be represented by someone because the company doesn't represent us. And it's like, yeah, I mean, of, of course. this is It's all stuff. But, like, 
he doesn't want to be named in this article for obvious reasons, totally understandable um, because yeah. of this, you know, environment of fear that is, it is purposefully generated, not just by this comp like the company, but like American political economic environment in general. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. This line in the middle of the quote was um, he earns $16 an hour, which though slightly higher than New York's minimum wage uh, is the wage that he has had for five years. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, and he even went on to say that the company's HR department doesn't stand up for employees, which might sound like grass is green to listeners of this show. But for a lot of people, that is like breaking news that can be like very difficult to find out that the department of your workplace that seems to be about handling disputes between you and corporate is actually about telling you to fuck off <laughs> uh, whenever you have a dispute. This is a rat. Yeah, <laughs> this is a rat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and the other thing that I, I did think was interesting about this particular uh, union drive, uh, where they're pushing, you know, so using all these fucking underhanded, shitty means to try and fight the union, Tate's Bake Shop, innocuous name, but was acquired a couple of years ago for $500 million by friends of the show, Mondelez International. Oh. <laughs> we reported on them the other day, didn't we? Yeah, we yeah. did. For, oh wait, was it in they, part uh, of our other slavery segment? Yeah, they're being they have oh, a lawsuit wow. against them that uh for child slavery allegations. Oh one of gosh. the seven major companies. Yeah, so Mondelez continuing its uh forthright and ethical business practices. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, of course, they put out a statement saying, quote, any allegation that the company has violated any aspect of the National Labor Relations Act is untrue. Tate's prides itself on treating all its employees with respect, and we have fostered over many years an inclusive, supporting, caring work environment and culture with our employees. God. I, <laughs> I want every person who, like, like, puts a sentence out like, a, like that, I just want to punch them. I, like, I... <laughs> I mean, I know that, like, it's not nice to punch people, but, I mean, like, the, this is like the punching of Nazis, in my opinion. Like, these people are literal fascists who are lying to people, saying that it's okay that, oh, no, these people aren't exploited. These people are not in situations where they're literally being threatened with deportation for standing up for their own fucking rights. Like, go, like people like that... I don't. No, no, I, no. no. <laughs> yeah, but uh, have but to get Lena, to the, the parody satire in Minecraft section. Yeah, I, I think I think you're forgetting that uh, the Mondelez Corporation ordered a uh, social media intern to post a bunch of supportive like racial and gender messages on Twitter. So they definitely get a pass for this. Oh yeah, I mean Mondelez supports trans rights, so that means that they are good. Yeah. <laughs> Do they support trans rights? Probably not. No, absolutely not. No, it's just it's no. convenient. I mean, like that's the thing. People are people will tell you about a person. They're like, you meet a person, you want to know what kind of person they are. Look at how they treat service workers. It's like same goes for companies, especially because they employ those service workers. Like the proof is in the pudding. The purpose of a system is what it does. It doesn't matter what kind of PR spin they put on things. If you pick up an article and it's like, eh, they're trying to fire people for unionizing, they're bad. <laughs> it really is that simple. Yeah, all every time, literally every, <laughs> every time. time. Yep. If you see anyone say, give any even like vague anti-union thing, like besides like, oh, there's some like we could do better with uh, the way that the unions are actually representing the workers. Like that's that's like a reasonable assertion. But like to say that like no, the workers shouldn't have a union is like I don't know worthy of a pit to be fought for of them to fall in. Um, <laughs> yeah. They yeah, just fall so, in it randomly, like no one, no one, no one made the pit or anything. They just fell. 
<laughs> yeah, so the, the workers at Tate's uh, are uh, going to be having a uh, mail-in election, uh, and they're going to be sending out – the NLRB sending out ballots starting at the end of this month, and they will have through the uh, end of April – to send them back, so I really hope that the yeah. the workers at Tate's are able to tell Mondelez just exactly what they think of the supportive, inclusive, caring work environment that they've been suffering under for, for the let's, past several let's, years. Let's hope. We'll get to follow up on that shortly after the end of this month where uh, Amazon is going to be finished, or the, the Besmer, Alabama um, Amazon workers are going to be finishing up their election as well. Um, now, all right, so... If everybody is was excited for all of the slavery episodes before and you were like, oh, thank goodness it's over. I'm just so <laughs> tired of being depressed. I have some bad news. <laughs> we have yeah. another story. This one is uh, actually about workers in India uh, working in the silk industry. Um, they are yeah. technically paid, right? Yeah, so this is a practice referred to as bonded labor which you might know better as indentured servitude hey. because right. uh, after reading about it, I really don't understand why they don't just use that word because it's the exact same thing. <laughs> there is no oh. difference between those two practices. I no. mean, hey, you know, if there's anything that like fascists and liberals can get together and agree on, it's not just that they're the same people, but also that they love to update the names for things to deflect. <laughs> to deflect. Yeah. It's like, oh man, a fresh coat of paint on that phrase or that that term would really be let's just uh turn the euphemism treadmill up a little bit faster and <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so um the silk industry uh in india is pretty big it's estimated that it's valued at over 14 billion dollars damn uh every year uh but workers in the silk industry in india are paid on average less than three dollars a day and that's just you know the standard shit level of compensation additionally there's a segment of this workforce that and in several other sectors but this was this is all from a story on cnn where they started doing a, a look into folks working in the the silk industry there um there's a large segment of that that workforce which is kept in what they refer to as bonded labor which is exactly what you think of when you hear the traditional definition of indentured servitude which is that you have somebody who needs a loan for whatever reason or needs a job and then needs money to you know get established and get said job right uh they take out the loan but are then their labor is then bonded to the person who loaned the money to them, often their employer, and they then have to work off that debt. But suspiciously, when that happens, like it's not just, oh, you know, you have a certain amount of money you have to pay back, and if you don't, you go bankrupt. It's you're going to keep working under slave like conditions until the person you owe money to decides that you've paid them back. Ah, oh, lovely. Um, Bonded labor was technically made illegal in India in 1976, so it's not as if this is like some recent practice or something that's only recently been banned. But this is a, another case of like the the efficacy of a law in a bourgeois democracy uh, is really going to be relative to your position within the ruling class or the proletariat because yeah. uh, it's been illegal for 
45 years, but a 2018 report estimated that about 8 million people in India uh, were held in either just direct slavery or debt bondage slash indentured servitude. And and many right. campaigners against this believe that that number is much higher. I think that one thing that exemplifies this is actually a quote that's in this article about um, from one of the people who is being accused of doing these un- unfair labor conditions, um, where they said that, uh, what can you guys do? We have influence. We have the money. Have you seen the number of threats from the labor department? You have no teeth. They literally like, we're, are telling you that, like, I don't give a fuck. We're going to break this law because you can't do anything to stop us. Yeah, so as part of the ban of, on, on bonded labor, there are technically government structures in place where workers that are being held in indentured servitude can report that to the government, petition for release from their, their debt, and depending on the situation, um, bring charges against the uh, person who'd been holding them in debt slavery. However, while those structures technically exist, in practice, they rarely actually operate as they're uh, supposed to be set up. Uh, there's a bunch of quotes in here uh, from the founder of an organization called Javika. Uh, his name is uh, Kiran Kamal Prasad. Um, and that's an organization that's working to eradicate indentured servitude in India who has said, who pointed out that authority figures and, and many like politicians and folks on the regulatory boards that would handle this come from the same communities and cast as the keepers of bonded uh, laborers. And so you get these social pressures to maintain the status quo as it is. And so it's taking these Herculean efforts from workers' organizations to actually get the law to be enforced the way that it's supposed to. And, and the, you, we were talking about like the nightmares of bureaucracy mm-hmm. uh, uh, earlier in the show, and this just has like the exact sort of thing about that, where cases have been pending for five years, seven years, where they reach, and this is a quote from, from uh, Prasad, they reach a certain stage where even if the accused comes, then the court's not in session. If the court's in session, the victim hasn't been called. And if both the accused and the victim are there, then the investigating police officer or the labor inspector is absent. And so just like showing how like, if you, you can get a law passed, but if you don't actually have the, the, the structural uh, way to enforce it and, and actually have the, the class power behind it, then the, the law is basically meaningless. And then that's how you end up with it's like the a practice. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, and it's like, yeah, the, the Modi government has no interest in stopping this practice. Like they literally right. just want their economy to get bigger. And they're like, well, if these people who do bonded labor uh, are making money, then that makes our GDP go up. And like, we don't want to we don't want to stop them. So how hard is it for these guys who are operating these bonded labor, you know, in these bonded labor practices to just like basically bribe people and be like, hey, make sure this guy is not in court on that day or make sure this guy's not a, or literally maybe not even bribe, just find someone sympathetic and government and be like hey here's how you can fuck up this case and make sure we all keep making our money off the backs of these people who in some cases are working for upwards of nine or ten years to pay off debts of a little over a thousand dollars that have in some cases doubled in size due to interest like this is straight up mafia shit like you know worse yeah can you imagine like nine years to pay 
pay off a thousand dollars. I mean, like I know people here have student loans, but I mean, even even that is not comparable. Yeah, that's the the example that they cite that where uh, CNN interviewed a mother and daughter who'd been held in bonded labor in this industry and had been suffering those conditions for almost a decade. And and additionally, like it, essentially having a debt that would never the the employer has no intention of ever allowing to be paid off. Right. And all the meanwhile, continuing to complain that the debt hasn't been paid off and threatening um this woman with being forced into sex trafficking as part of the the way to pay off uh, his debt. And so that's the thing. It's like bonded labor, modern slavery, like all of these different forms of modern slavery, like they are not isolated systems of oppression. Like if you care about ending sex trafficking, you have to care about this. And if you care about this, you also have to care about ending sex trafficking. Like these, these forms of oppression are all linked together yep. uh, in the way that the ruling class, you know, maintains its ruling position and uses it to get whatever it wants. Mm-hmm. Because there's, it, like you said, like John, there's a quote in here where they said, like, uh, today increasingly the cloud of the political masters has assumed a greater proportion of influence and effect. So even if you try and book them, them being the employers breaking this law, the political masters ring up the police to water down the charges, which is, again, we see that shit happen here all the time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is what we're, what we're seeing in India right now is really just like unrestrained capitalism right like fascism or you know nationalism plus capitalism or however you want to like characterize it but what the modi government wants to do is put indian workers through the indian version of like the worst years of capitalist production in the united states uh you know think about like all of the well i don't know it's maybe a little different here because we had literal slavery for so long but i'm talking about like you know the industrial revolution era and they they want to put their workers through like you know whatever hells it takes to get them developed to the point where they can sit at the table as one of the big capitalist world powers and right. make decisions about what other countries are going to go get you know overexploited and underdeveloped yeah because they can't give power to the workers otherwise they won't be the ones in power when that sort of power exists well and they're also threatened by the incredibly strong socialist and communist and trade unionist and all kinds of other anti-capitalist or anti-capitalist adjacent movements happening in India right now. Like India's political climate is incredibly diverse and volatile in a way that like, you know, living in the United States, it might be hard to imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the class struggle in India right now is, is extremely advanced. And like, and this is, and that's the thing, cause this is the sort of thing they're fighting against. Like yep. the farmers strikes, and all, and all their associated demonstrations aren't just about those farm laws. Like it's, it's because this is the sort of like Victorian era shit that they're dealing with on a day to day. Millions of people are having to deal with yep. on a day to day basis, and like that's what the farmer strikes are against. Like that's what all of that sort of uprising is against. And so uh, you really just. You really got to hope that the, the the workers' movement there is actually able to get the BJP out of power because yeah. Yeah. Well, this shit is horrifying. On the, on the thought of uh, exploitation around the world, I think we can move to our final story about Coca-Cola, which is just <laughs> yes. a – it's just known for exploiting people all around the world. This one in particular is actually about Canada, but, yeah, I mean, but Co- still. Coca-Cola <laughs> basically is the CIA, right? Like the C in CIA stands for Coca-Cola – intelligence agency (laughs) (laughs) 
They've certainly worked together a lot. Uh, I recommend looking up Coca-Cola Death Squads Columbia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely worth a Google. But this is about Calgary, Alberta, where 270 workers at a Coca-Cola plant uh, walked out in protest of the use of scabs by Coke during contract negotiations with their union, Teamsters Local 987. So Teamsters being badass once again, just absolutely refusing to entertain the idea that scabs are even remotely appropriate during labor negotiations uh and like you even have brock penner from the teamsters uh who is the teamsters business agent saying they've started contracting out more and more uh, and our people have said enough is enough uh adding that the union's members had been considered essential workers during the health crisis we've been dedicated during this pandemic and before that and believe we should be getting what we deserve stability in the workplace which is like you know that's the same thing that you hear from from workers about what they want all over all over the world, like, and you know, regardless of what the situation is, people just want to be treated better at the place where they spend an incredible amount of their time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and and uh, like uh, sometimes the people spend more time at their job than they spend actually sleeping like that, that, that should be like a little bit of a, yeah. um, like, uh, uh, at least a comparison to draw to. Like. And, and that's why my new jobs program is to pay every American to sleep $15 an hour. <laughs> 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 no, what yeah, I mean, like good. We've been talking before uh, about how there's been a big rise in lockouts. Yes. During the pandemic, because the pandemic has swelled the reserve army of labor so much, it's it's made it much easier for uh, big co- companies that are fighting union drives. Like, obviously, you can take the, like, big heavy-handed approach of, you know, shutting a plant down or, like you know, threatening to deport your workers. But those mm-hmm. might get you some bad PR. Whereas if you do this thing where you're like, oh, we're just going to hire a lot more outside contractors. We're creating jobs. You can spin this shit uh, like the way that you're hiring scabs. And so like it's I'm, I'm glad to see like the, the Teamsters here aren't aren't having any of that shit. Yeah, absolutely. Because like they're just trying to keep the production levels up, which is actually counter to the to the union's interests because they are interested in a great in a good contract that actually supports the workers. And when they're undermined by these these scabs who are not going to be contract workers and are most likely just going to be independent contractors that they brought in, uh like that is specifically meant to counter the negotiations and make those like the position of the union weaker and so then the union is forced into this position where they strike yeah like like we we talked about a, a a story last episode about where they were talking about surface bargaining which is mm-hmm. very. This is a very clear case of that, where Coke's like, because their their contract came up in, I believe, uh, October. October. Yep. And and they're like, okay, we're gonna come to the bargaining table in good faith. We want just want a good contract, the best thing for both sides. Meanwhile, the entire time they have no intention of doing that, and they're just hiring out all this contract non union labor and just talking out of both sides of their mouth at the same time, which is you know all the more reason to. Never believe anything the company tells you. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, awesome for these workers, like definitely. And uh, you know, get get you and your workers together to to do some walkouts, especially if you're 
you have anything to rally behind, anything at all to rally behind. Like, yeah, it's I mean, make encouraged. make these people mad. A spokeswoman from uh, Coca-Cola, Nicola Krishna, said that the company and the union reached agreements twice, but neither deal was ratified by the union's membership and called the walkout unnecessary and unfortunate. <laughs> That's the exact that kind. That you didn't reach an agreement. You yeah. did. <laughs> That's the exact kind of just like crying and shitting yourself that I love to see spokespeople from major <laughs> companies do. So like anything that makes this happen more is absolutely a net win in yeah. my book right because like that's to say that the company and the union reached an agreement but the workers are blah 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 well, like no the workers are the union that's right never forget the workers are the union that's when right. you say yeah. that you don't like the teachers union that means you don't like teachers yeah that's true um and yeah well, speaking of liking things, yeah, let's, let's, <laughs> let's move on to the meme review, because yeah. uh, this first one is a fucking doozy. It's literally just a hard drive article, uh, and it says, Blizzard gives employees box with 8.3% chance of containing pink slip. And they got the, the fucking Overwatch like, loot box as the picture. Yeah. Like, imagine, imagine getting the rare item and it was getting fired. Yeah. So, like... My only issue with this meme is that reality is so terrible that I would have believed this was real because this is kind of how Amazon operates where they have algorithms that tell them to fire the like 10% worst quote unquote performing of their employees. So like it's really not that far off from something like this. No, I mean, people are always horrified. They're like, did you know the Roman legions did decimation on their own forces and just killed one out of every 10 men? And I'm like, these companies will just fire you for fucking nothing because a robot made a mistake or because Microsoft Sam was like productivity down 8%. Like Clippy <laughs> comes in and says, well, did you know that this person was one, was slow on one day? How would you like to put them out on the street oh yeah look look, looks like you're trying to write a flyer for a unionization drive you are fired like (laughs) yeah yeah so and then uh yeah i don't even you're right that's not even really a meme i'm just that's just like (laughs) i mean no knock on 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 hard times they do funny shit it's just like unfortunately reality is difficult to parody at this time (laughs) reality is hot on your heels hard drive yeah Um, the next one is the, uh, what, Lord of the Rings, Oh, yeah, uh, Gimli and Legolas, uh, like, never thought I'd, uh, die standing side by side with, uh, you know, whatever. I've seen this to, to do a lot of, like, anti-leftist infighting kind of memory, but this one is, uh, much funnier. Yeah. So, uh, I guess the, the dwarf is labeled TERFs, uh, and says, I never thought I'd be standing side by side with white supremacists, and then, um... Uh, Legolas is like, yes, you did, and then turns like, I, we did, yeah, we did, <laughs> we knew. Yep. Yeah, I think this yep. is a reference to like that, the like bullshit super straight thing, which is actually just like an op. It's just another like culture war piece of bullshit that does that, that nobody's actually talking about except for people who want to like talk about how they are the ones who are oppressed or whatever bullshit it is. You know, I don't. Right. That whole thing made me glad to not be on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, speaking of being glad of not being on Twitter, <laughs> we have a Janine Añez tweet uh, from 2018 that just says, Lula va a la carcel, which I have to assume means Lula is going to jail. Yeah, um, because that was when he was ousted, and somebody re- quote tweeted it, retweeted it with Lula just throwing a reversal card from Uno, because <laughs> Lula's back and Janine Añez is <laughs> she went to jail in her kitty sweater. Janine Añez's arrest has created so many good memes <laughs> because yeah. every aspect of it is just 
more goofy from the weird cat shirt to her attempt to hide in her own house in a refrigerator box <laughs> to, to this There's old so many refrigerator yeah. box references lately <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh yeah you know anyways fuck cia coups lula rules i love this meme that's why i put it in here <laughs> yeah it's good shit um what is this uh <laughs> <laughs> this one's very. This one has nothing to do with politics. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> Good. I we do politic memes too often. <laughs> I, I pull them in here because that's what I look at most of the time. But I'm down for like but, regular memes. So so this one is just. It's a guy from. It's a it's a tweet that probably a lot of people have seen considering how many likes it got from at Adam Great tweet that just says bank account fourteen hundred dollars. Me to a Girl Scout. Give me the thick mints. <laughs> I, lo- I love this format of memes. I didn't see this one already, but the one that I saw was like, bank account, $1,400, me at five guys. Give me the sixth guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I love no, that. I love That's why I should be more active on Twitter just for those jokes, but then, you know, I don't know. <laughs> you have to wade through so much shit to get to the that's, good posts. Like. Yeah, that's the thing. It's a diff- It's it's a tough cough- cost-benefit analysis. <laughs> yeah. And then this last one is just a, a clip, a screen cap from a YouTube video where a guy is making like meat pies and he says pies are water to add more gravy and wet the dough and the top comment 2.4k likes on YouTube just says English people season their food with water (laughs) 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 you know I actually um Kind of unrelated, but I read a really interesting article recently that talked about why bland food became so popular in Europe, and it has to do with class, unsurprisingly, that um, up until the 1700s, I think, uh, spices were really only available to aristocracy, and so it was common to like want really heavily, richly spiced food with contrasting flavors and complex sauces, but then... Once spices became very commonly available, the aristocracy had to figure out a new way to make themselves seem better than everybody else. So they started zeroing in on making food taste like itself, quote unquote, where you'd only add flavors to it that enhanced the natural flavor. And they, like water. Like water. And they, <laughs> and they moved away from sauces being these blended things with a lot of solid ingredients in them and contrasting overlapping flavors to being like meat gravies. Because it was considered like manly and tough and, and you know virile to eat. Wow, meat. I hate that. It sucks. It's one of the worst <laughs> things that's ever happened to food. Uh, the Italians and the French got around it a little bit. They kind of made it work, but everybody else fucked up. Looking at you, UK, Germany, uh, <laughs> all the Scandinavian nations. Uh. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that'll be it for today. Thank you all for listening. Uh, if you'd like twice as many episodes, make sure to become a patron at Patreon.com/slash/WorkStoppage. Join our discord it should be in the show notes give us a five-star review on apple Podcasts. follow john on twitter at facebook villain that's right uh me at solidarity b check out dan at red are on the red game table podcast and john on the beep beep lettuce podcast and we will see you all next week stay cool out there sometimes solidarity everybody yeah solidarity forever all right Get it out of the frame I shake my leg on the ground like an F
self-elected battery man I'm making my moves Letting loose like a bell Little worse for wear But I'm wearing it well Tell me What's wrong with a little grind and bump When yeah. the stereos are rough With the kick drum punch But you do it once Probably do it again and again You did it before But you're more erratic than them And you had a rough night The vibe's just begun Let a little bit of this Pass where it's done Don't let it hold you back But you already said No dead flowers gonna grow Till the dirt gets wet Put the elevator music on Pull me back where I belong When you're down and out, counted and there's nothing that's real It's like a plastic heart to amputate the field I got a soda can Bible song Oh, 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 oh,